welcome to another edition of This Week in Hearing. This week, I am absolutely excited that we're having the conversation with the folks at the Northern Virginia Resource Center. I think our viewership is really going to be delighted by the services that this group and this facility offer. And um, I think it's fascinating that uh, we're actually headed back towards our roots. So um, let's get started. I'm Again, I'm really thrilled about this whole thing. So with me today, I have three panelists, uh, the first of which is Joan Ehrlich, PhD. Joan, if you wouldn't mind sharing with, uh, with the audience who you are, please. Sure, hi, I mean, um, I just want to say real quickly that I am a big fan and listener of your podcasts. I've learned a tremendous amount. And so I'm really honored and thrilled to be talking with you today. Um, so my background, I worked for over 30 years in the field of deaf education. I worked with deaf and hard of hearing students from preschool all the way through high school. And um, after, oh, like I said, over 30 years of that, when I retired, I went to work for our local community college, which covers a huge amount of territory. And initially, I was the person who coordinated all of the services for the deaf and hard of hearing students who came. And as you'll find out a little bit later, uh, this area has um, a larger than usual population of deaf and hard of hearing people. So we had a, a large group of students who we served. Um, I later became the director for disability services at the same college. And since then, since retiring, I've come back also to my roots and now have a for NVRC in the capacity of an outreach specialist for Loudoun County, one of the many counties that we cover. And uh, that's what I'm doing now. And I, I'm thrilled to be with this group. And Bonnie, when she introduces herself, she'll talk more about what we actually do as outreach specialists. Yeah. And, and, and you know, again, I, I'm really thrilled and, and thank you for your service to this population. And I know we'll get into why there's a, a, a larger group of, uh, of hearing impaired and deafened individuals there. Um, Bonnie, would you share with us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. I mean, thank you. Um, my name is Bonnie O'Leary, and I am what they call a late deafened adult. And I joined NVRC staff in 2001, basically with a task to develop an outreach program for adults aging into hearing loss, because this is a huge demographic. So we developed a three-part program, uh, the first part talking about hearing aids, the second part talking about hearing assistive technology, the third part talking about communication strategies and the emotional impact of late onset deafness. And we presented these programs in retirement communities, libraries, assisted living facilities, churches, anywhere where seniors congregate as groups. It actually won a distinguished partner award from Fairfax County's Department of Neighborhood and Community Services. So that was really kind of exciting. And also it's very important for hearing people to understand the challenges in communication with people who don't hear well. And so we developed trainings for emergency responders, healthcare professionals, um, employers, uh, activities directors, um, any group 
where they have to communicate with older people who don't hear well. So Joan and Debbie do this as well. And it took a lot of work to get it going, but we really do. We reach a lot of people and they appreciate the information. Wow. The outreach is just incredible. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Um, our third panelist is Debbie Jones. Debbie, if you wouldn't mind spending a little bit of time and sharing your uh, about who you are with the audience, please. I'm Debbie Jones, Person Technology Manager at NBRC. Uh, I, my connection to hearing loss is that I grew up with a mother who was hard of hearing. Uh, she lost her hearing at 13. Uh, so I've always lived with a person with hearing loss. Uh, and then also growing up, I was fascinated by sign language and took the opportunity in college to start learning it. And I started here at NVRC in 1995, uh, where I have continued to learn sign language um, and learn a lot about communication in general from the folks who work here and come here for our services as well. Uh, a lot of what I do uh, is information and referral. So I answer requests for information and help folks find the resources that they need in their local communities. Another big part of what I do is working with the technology assistance program. The Virginia Department for Deaf and Hard of Hearing provides this program, which uh, makes sure that specialized telephone and signaling equipment is available to Virginia residents who are deaf, hard of hearing, late deafened, or have a speech disability. Uh, also deafblind, making sure they can stay connected with family and friends uh, and make sure that they can do what they need to get done. Wow. All right. So now that we've got our panelists introduced, let's talk about who you are. So what is NVRC? Okay, well, I'll start off with that, if it's okay. We're actually a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we have a mission to empower deaf and hard of hearing individuals and their families through education, advocacy, and community involvement. Joan? Yeah, so as a nonprofit, uh, we are guided by a board of directors. And as stated in our bylaws, uh, our directors have to be at least 51% representative of deaf, the deaf or hard of hearing community. It turns out, in fact, that we have larger than 51% serving on the board who have some kind of hearing loss. The other part of that is that all of our staff and our directors really represent the whole gamut. So we have culturally deaf people who, uh, for whom ASL is their primary choice of language. We have late deafened members, hearing people who are hearing, who sign, some of us sign, sign and use cued speech. We really embrace, and I will say that as somebody who's been in the field of education for as long as I have, uh, when I first met NVRC, which was really many years ago, one of the things that I just loved about it from the start is that we embrace every means of communication. So we welcome uh, a sign language, captioning, all kinds of assistive listening 
technology so that because our goal above and beyond everything is for um for for communication like bonnie said for communication to happen across the board we also represent probably every age range um and we'll talk about that a little bit more later but also you know really pretty much from birth all through every generation gen x um millennials of course as bonnie said you know the um I can't, oh, the baby boomers, you know, we really cover all of the different age groups. So we, we really are a mix of, of everybody. Wow, that's incredible. So now that we know who you are, tell us a little bit about what you do. Since I, I have been here at NVRC now the longest, <laughs> um, just to let you know a little bit, um, as, as was mentioned, we were founded by the community. Um, in 1998, a group of local leaders from the deaf and hard of hearing communities got together and advocated for funding from Fairfax, Arlington, all the local counties. Um, in this area, we've got about 250,000 feet folks with hearing loss um, and over 5,000 of those are deaf. So we've got a large area, a large community. We are located so close to Washington, DC. And there's so many deaf and hard of hearing folks who are in this area because they work for the federal government. Um, you know, Gallaudet University is here in DC, the only liberal arts university for the deaf. Um, industry, uh, military, there's, there's, as we mentioned, the, the mix of folks that are involved. Um, and so helping those folks find the resources that they need in the community, you know, and from folks who know how to communicate with them um, has always been a big part of this. We're located in Virginia, but we actually have a further reach than that. Um, between our email news and our website and, and some of the advocacy we do, we actually do touch um, quite a large uh, population. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, so you, you have this large reach, you provide all of these speech uh, communication tools for these individuals, which I think is fantastic. But how do you do it? So here's a number of things that we, we the services we provide or, or just things, uh, programs we're engaged with. At the beginning, I think Debbie mentioned this, um, a lot of NVRC was looked upon as just a gathering place for people who were deaf or hard of hearing to be able to come and, and interact with family, friends, and, and other members of the community. Uh, as time's gone on, we've um, collaborated in many ways with other facets of the community. So for example, sometimes we get involved in community fundraisers. Um, as again, as a nonprofit, we do have to find a number of ways to keep ourselves afloat. So sometimes we've partnered, let's say, with um, a, a local restaurant or you know a county event 
where uh, when money is made, we get a little bit of the proceeds from that money that comes in. And that's another great way for us to get out in the community and mingle, let people know we're here. Uh, lots of deaf people will come to our events because they know there'll be other people there who they can communicate and socialize with. We have collaborated with our local school districts. Um, our executive director right now is um, a, a mentor in the elementary school nearby and goes to, to spend time once a week with deaf students and they get to have deaf adults because our executive director is deaf. They get to have a deaf adult as a mentor. Um, we've done, and I know Debbie's done a lot of this. Debbie's gone out and done presentations and assistive technology demonstrations to school-age children and their families. Never too soon to start teaching these kids how to use assistive technology. Uh, recently, Bonnie did several online, oh, and Debbie as well, did some online presentations for AARP, and that was a, you know, a national audience right there. We've also collaborated in many ways with the Hearing Loss Association of America, and their headquarters is in our backyard up in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, you know, we've helped with some of their um, conferences. We've done their Walk for Hearing every year. We've collaborated with them in many ways. Um, also, our executive director currently is a tester. Um, she calls herself, a, oh, uh, they call it a trusted tester for Google. And what they did is, They've given her a phone and then she can, whenever they have apps available, she can uh, download those, those apps and test them for efficiency and quality and things like that. Um, we've we've uh, collaborated with our local governments when they're doing some new construction on senior community centers, senior living communities, or even the rec centers, I know Bonnie's gone in and, and helped them and advised them on the acoustics because there's a lot of modern uh, aspects in, in construction now that is very glossy and nice to look at, but not always the most listener friendly. So she's been a real um, help in that area. And another, a few others is um, we have a resource fair that we're very proud of that we call Celebrate Communication. And that happens once a year. And again, we have exhibitors and sponsors and members of the community come and learn all about new gadgets and new strategies for communicating and those kinds of things. And we also go and we will go to the resource fairs of other localities like the community centers and senior living facilities, we will go in and, and exhibit our um, assistive technology and just let them know more about our resources. Uh, so kind of a whole range of things there. Wow. And you guys are, are quite uh, extensive in the, in the uh, in how, what you do and how you do it. Um, is there anything else that we wanted to add that talks about free hearing screenings and all that? Is that part of this, this uh, equation here that I have? It's I on my sheet. As Joan mentioned, um, um, we do work with technologies. A lot of what I do is in our technology demonstration room. 
We have a, phone, a room set up where folks can come and try phones, um, signaling systems, TV listening devices, personal amplifiers, uh, all kinds of signaling devices, doorbells, uh, alarm clocks, that sort of thing. Um, because NBRC doesn't sell any devices, we only demonstrate. So we try to be kind of a neutral space where folks can come and try things out and ask questions and see if, if these devices might meet their needs before they make the decision to either purchase it or to apply for something through the state program. The technology assistance program uh, is administered by the Virginia Department for Deaf and Hard of Hearing. And as I mentioned before, it's specifically telephone and signaling equipment at a lower cost. So it helps folks who qualify get the equipment low cost or free, uh, depending on their financial situation, um, to make sure that they stay connected with the world around them. Yeah, and, and, and Debbie, can you talk a little bit about how these individuals get to your facility so they can try these, these tools? Sure. Um, we, a lot of times we will make appointments for folks to come in. Um, they can contact us by phone or email to set up an appointment and we can sit down with them in the, tem in the demonstration room. We're located in Fairfax. Uh, we're real close to where 66 and Route 50 cross. Um, so we're fairly easy to get to. It gets a little twisty back in the neighborhood where we are, um, but we have been able to get folks to us. Um, that's always the ideal situation if they can come to our center and try things out, because of course we have everything hooked up in that room. For folks who are not able to travel, who are not able to get to us, it is possible for us to make appointments to take equipment out to them um, and see you know, what might be helpful for them uh, so that they can try that, try it, you know, in their home where they are. Yeah. And, and, and just to clarify, do, do, do you have uh, private practitioners and, and other uh, potential colleagues in the neighborhood that refer to you? And do you have those relationships or how does that work? We certainly try. <laughs> um, we have definitely um, developed relationships with the local county services. Um, so many of the local counties, um, social services, uh, family services, area agencies on aging um, will refer folks to us to find, uh, the, to find us and, and access these programs. Um, we do have some local audiologists as well. Um, although recently there's been some turnover of the audiologists and we haven't found the new ones yet, um, but we always do try to, to make those connections to be a resource for the entire community. Well, that's incredible. I would just like to say a few things about the presentations that we do. Um, a lot of people don't realize how huge a topic hearing loss actually is. We sometimes I'll get an email from someone who says, can you come and talk to our group about hearing loss? I say, well, what would you like to, what would you want to talk about? And you have, you have this list. Do you want to talk about hearing loss as a pathological situation? Do you want to talk about hearing aids? Do you want to talk about hearing? And they go, oh. <laughs> so um, we have an overview program that we do just called Help, Where Did My Hearing Go? And that's a, a little bit about how are, we lose our hearing, a little bit about hearing aids, a little bit about hearing assistive technology, and a little bit about communication strategies. 
And typically what happens is then I will go back because they find a certain topic very interesting and they want to know more about it. Um, and we also have a topic, Joan does one about healthy hearing and how to keep your how to keep the hearing that you have left, which is of course very, very important as well. And one of the things that is touching to me as a late deaf and adult is when I do these programs, how many people will come up to me afterwards to tell me that I've been talking about their mother, their husband, their wife, their somebody in the family, almost with tears in their eyes, like I had no idea what I could do to be helpful. So it's really like double dipping because in their job, now they've learned how to communicate with someone they're caring for. And they also have learned how to help somebody who is in their personal life. So that's that's been something that is very, very gratifying. I think all of us are say that what we do brings us a lot of personal satisfaction because we know at the end of the day that we've done something really helpful for someone. And communication is so key to living that when we learn how to communicate better with someone who's being cut off one way or the other, it helps everybody. Yeah, social isolation is, uh, is uh, certainly a, a damning thing, uh, 100%. Particularly during COVID, that's been a huge problem for our deaf seniors, for folks who use American Sign Language as their primary communication. Mm. Um, so much of their socialization historically has been in person and having to stay home and switch to online communications was a real challenge uh, for our deaf senior population. Um, we got lucky enough that we had a grant to set up the Deaf Senior State Connected program. And this is a program which originally was focused on helping, uh, making sure Deaf Senior State stayed in touch with each other. Um, but then we also realized that, that we could expand that and set up some online socials to include uh, college and university students learning sign language and interpreting students and getting them together with the deaf seniors, um, both for socialization, but also to, to learn the history, um, you know, learn the history of the deaf schools, um, their experience growing up, you know, in, in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and how different that is from nowadays, uh, where we have mainstreaming as our primary educational system. Um, you know, the having the students learn signs from older deaf folks, and then the older deaf folks have an opportunity to learn new signs, new vocabulary from the ASL students. And so it's this real exchange and it's been a great benefit. Um, and, and we were recently recognized for our deaf seniors stay connected program. Um, so that was, it's been really exciting to see that develop and grow as well. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible to talk a little bit about the hearing screenings that we do. And this is a service that a lot of people really enjoy because it's free and because we don't sell anything. 
you know, that's a, that's a big point for us because the whole atmosphere is very relaxed and the information we give is very objective so they can make up their own minds and make their decisions. So the screening is Starkey. They have a wonderful sound check app on an iPad and it only takes six minutes and all it does is give them tones. But the point of it is to have a little peek at what their hearing is doing to see whether they could benefit from going to an audiologist. And that gives them the chance to ask all these questions, learn what they should be asking the audiologist and talking about hearing aids in an atmosphere where there aren't lying in front of them saying, this is 5,000, this is 7,000, you know? So um, they, they do enjoy that. And I think that sometimes we'll get somebody who has a hearing aid and they want to complain about it. They want to have it fixed. They want to have it clean. They want, to, they want us to do things that we're not qualified to do. We would never touch anybody's hearing aids. Um, but it gives them the chance to talk about next steps and the kinds of things to consider, uh, what new hearing aids are out there. But we try to tell them, and this is a message that we give to everybody, is their hearing loss is like a fingerprint. And so what works for one person, it's not necessarily going to work for somebody else. So I can talk to them until I'm green about all the different kinds of hearing aids that are out there, but the person who needs to advise them is their healthcare professional, their audiologist or hearing instrument specialist. They have to do the full evaluation and then have um, an idea about this hearing aid would probably work best with your hearing loss. That's not something that we can do. But they do enjoy them. It's very popular. We screen about, went before COVID, about 200 people a year. And we've been doing that now for a decade. So we've had the opportunity to sit one-on-one -on -one with about 2,000 people just in that particular service alone. And it gives us the chance to listen to what their concerns are and where they have the most difficulties. And that helps us think about the kinds of programs we could be developing for them to service. Yeah, yeah I mean, if I could just add to that, you know, as I said before, I listen to uh, the podcasts a lot and I've heard many practitioners talk about, um, especially with the advent of the um, over-the-counter hearing aids that are coming, I've heard a lot of discussion about all the apps that are now available so that people can kind of run their own baseline tests. But uh, we we see from the working with the people we, we meet that most people don't want to do that for themselves. They don't, either they don't know it exists or they just don't feel the confidence. And it's not necessarily just older people, although we do meet a lot of older people, but uh, people just in the general public, if the whole concept of hearing loss is brand new to them, they're not necessarily inclined to go and download an app and test their hearing for themselves. And equally important, like I think Bonnie said, is they don't necessarily know what the next steps are. So, you know, even if some, even if the app indicates that there might be a hearing loss, then we'll, so we, that's one of the reasons why we think this service is so critical. 
Well, and, and I think you touched on something that's really, really important to the profession uh, as we move forward into this disruptive age. And that is, is your services count a whole bunch. And people want the opportunity to be consoled, consoled, consulted with so that they can make the right decisions. And, and they don't always have that. So uh, again, this is why I think, uh, this is why I was really thrilled about the things that you guys are, are providing uh, to, to your community because I think it has really large reach uh, as people start to consider, you know, things that are happening in their respective areas. Yeah, and one of, one of the reasons that uh, we welcome this opportunity to talk with you is we would like um, the providers, you know, the hearing health, the healthcare hearing healthcare providers, to understand that for all the uh, all the clients that they might see in a year's time, how many, many more are probably out there who are not coming and taking advantage of their services. And it would be great. I know for myself, I would love to, to think that this might encourage other places to, to group like ours um, so that they can serve their communities in, in a similar manner. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. We 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 haven't uh, we haven't uh, really serviced uh, the masses as we needed to. So one hundred percent, I agree with that. Yeah, we were doing a quick count a little before we came on today, and um, we figured out that over the course of a year, we probably provide direct service to over two thousand individuals. Um, but then when you look at our the reach of our website, uh, people who visit our website, subscribe to our email news, and follow us on social media, we, we reach out to probably as many as 10,000 people a year. And those, those are not, I mean, it sound, it's a rough estimate, but we keep pretty careful data because, of course, as recipients of local funds, we need to report back every pretty much every touch that we make so so those are pretty reliable figures that's incredible that's incredible um anything else that you all want to add as we continue to discuss this important service delivery that you all offer i think one thing i would like to say having been at nvrc um for what 21 years now the big change is the internet and when I started at NVRC, our meeting room was always busy, busy, busy because groups were meeting because they came in person. But the internet comes along and gives everybody the opportunity to get information online, to meet with groups online, to communicate with people around the world online. There's a lot of great stuff about that. But what we we find when folks do come into us and talk to us is that they're so happy that they're finally talking to another person face to face. They really need that support, especially if they are late deafened. They didn't know what to do. They go on the internet. They're talking to strangers. They come to us and they, they connect with us. And for those of us on staff who have a hearing loss, then we understand what they're experiencing. And so that that personal touch is so important, meaning that our value is just as strong, but in a different way. 
Yeah, and, and, and again, I think you you've all have touched on so many important points, but that's one that I think we um, as a community, as, as a professional community, haven't uh, fully embraced, and that is the value that we bring and the necessity that's needed for people to move forward, and that has to happen through trust. And trust doesn't always happen through the internet. It has to happen between two individuals. Yes. And so as people are thinking about you know these disruptive uh, uh, tools that will be available on the marketplace, and it's going to help some people, don't get me wrong, I think for the overwhelming majority, they're still going to want to have that relationship with their provider. They're going to want to talk to somebody. Um, and I think that's true even with technology. And I'll give you an example. I'm getting ready to send my daughter off to college. And rather than just buying a computer on Apple, she actually went into the store, talked to somebody and says, is this the right tool for me? Which she wouldn't have gotten that information just by looking at the specs and things online. So uh, I, you know, I, I think this is this is part of um, the the nuances that we need to better understand um, as we continue to to treat these individuals and, and service them. And I'm not just saying this. I think what you all have to offer is a model for what some uh, providers or all uh, providers need to start thinking about, and that is the personal touch the need to, to, to converse with individuals. I understand that you know, sales are, are what generate revenue, uh, but at the same time, you can't, you're not gonna generate any revenue if someone doesn't purchase anything from you. And it's, it's a funnel, right? It, sales is mm -hmm. a funnel and you have to start at the top and someone has to end up at the bottom at some point in time. And everyone's journey is a little bit different and we need to better understand what those journeys are and uh, embrace those relationships so we can get people through these through these uh, cycles so that they can hear and communicate better, which is you know, why we're here and, and the importance of, of what we do. The profession, the audiology profession can misunderstand what we do. And that has happened a couple of times to the point where they feel like, I don't want my patients going to you because you might talk them out of the hearing aids I've just sold them. I, that, I don't know where that comes from, but I think they have that feeling that because we do have a certain amount of knowledge and education about it, that it might not be to the benefit of the audiologist to have people coming in. But at the same time, what we have found is exactly the opposite, because by the time we're finished telling people what they need to know, they go to the audiologist informed and they know what questions to ask and they do better with their hearing aids because they know what to anticipate, how to adjust to them, which they've heard from us first because we wear them. So we are consumers that help them. So I think that in many ways, we've been able to be helpful to the audiology community. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and I'm going to go back to some of Debbie's technology components. You know, it's the hearing aid itself is only going to allow you to communicate to a certain point. You need other tools, you know, whether it's a remote mic or a telephone or whatever, and, and we need to embrace that whole ecosystem. And I don't think that our professional community has done that um, like it needs to be done. Yeah, and, and having watched the technology change <laughs> so much over the years, um, you know, where before it was TTY, and amplified phone, and that was about it, to now we have captioned phones, we have apps that can download to our mobile phones to provide captions 
to provide voice to text. I mean, there's so many more tools available. And I think people get kind of overwhelmed sometimes. There's like technology. I don't do technology. I don't own a computer. I'm like, that doesn't matter. This is something you can try. It never hurts to try it out. Um, and if it meets your needs, it's one more tool that you can take advantage of. And, and, and to your point, I think in some cases, the professionals don't always know what's available in the marketplace. So, for example, um, you know, these mobile apps that do speech to text. Now, I'm going to ask a question and we may have to delete this. But the question is, do you all provide resources that other providers could potentially use, even if they're on the other side of the country? Um, for things like mobile apps, um, we definitely share that information, um, you know, because those are those are pretty widely available. We listen to folks in the community. You know, we we do research ourselves and try things out. But we also ask the community, hey, what has worked for you? You know, what are the apps that you take advantage of? And, you know, so that we can try them out and then share that information on. So absolutely, um, you know, for certain technologies, there definitely is information that can be shared no matter where you are. Um, obviously, the technology assistance program that I work with is specific to the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, but certainly I could help you get connected with the, the program in your state because most states have some sort of technology assistance available, whether through the relay service or the Commission for Deaf and Hard of Hearing um, or uh, Department of Rehab generally are the ones that cover those. And I think you all have the basis for a, of a model that other people can now build off of that will allow them to be successful as we move into the future. And again, that's why I thought this was really, really important. And I was really excited by it because, again, it's going to be the linchpin between success and failure for private practitioners in the future. And, and, and maybe that's a little too bold. Um, but, you know, I, I look at things from an economic lens. And as you look at consumer purchasing and, and their uh, the way that they are viewing um spending and with inflation increasing and all that, um, the value proposition is not in the product, it's in the person. And if you can generate that value proposition in an appropriate way, uh, success is, is, is inevitable. And that's why you see, you know, uh, these, these large expensive uh, entities like the Ritz-Carlton um, and, you know, uh, Lamborghini and McLarens and, you know, all of those companies, Porsche, for example, uh, survive uh, even in these turmoil situations, and then you find out that these companies that are uh, don't have that same kind of customer service, they start to fall apart. And we've seen that in our profession, and we've seen it in others. And I think as we move forward, and as as consumers become more sophisticated, that whole relationship is going to become more and more and more of the. Um, you know, it's it's going to become more and more of the important factor uh, in survival. So thank you for what you do. Just okay. thank you for giving us a little voice here. That's very nice. Mm -hmm.